If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 64 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about a range of free resources that we have available to help you with growing and improving your education business in the new year, 2017. Before we do that, though, we want to be sure to thank your membership, which is the sponsor of the Leading Learning Podcast for the first quarter of 2017. Your membership's award-winning learning management system, Crowd Wisdom, provides organizations with the means to manage all of their educational content formats in one central location and also provides tools to create and deliver assessments, evaluations, and learning communities. You can find out more about your membership at yourmembership.com. So, Jeff, about these uh, resources that we have. Yeah, well, you know, we're heading into a new year here, and this is the this is the time for for thinking and planning and for organizations to you know possibly have new budgets in place and uh, stuff is going to start happening and uh, you know over the years that uh, that we've been in business and, and worked with organizations in the business of lifelong learning we've created a, a range of resources um, from you know different tools uh, kind of thinking tools that uh, organizations can use to reports to, you know, our ongoing newsletters and webinars and, and those sorts of things. And so we thought it'd be good, to, uh, A, to kind of corral all of those into a, a good, accessible place that organizations can get hold of and, and use as needed both now and then throughout the year. Um, and we've put together a document uh, to do just that. And, you know, as, as part of this episode, you can go to the show notes, uh, leadinglearning.com, episode 64, leadinglearning.com slash episode 64, and download the resources document, uh, which will have just a, a wealth of different, again, you know, tools and articles and other sorts of resources that can really help you in, in thinking about where you can take your uh, education business in 2017 and, uh, you know, how to grow it and, and how to improve it. But we thought as part of this uh, podcast, we, we'd highlight you know, some of those key tools, kind of call them out to make sure that folks are aware of them and, and talk a little bit about you know, what they are and how they can be used. Yeah, because some of them are quite good, if we do say so ourselves. We do, and and you know the price is right. These are these are all free <laughs> right. tools here, so you're getting access to you know, our, our wealth of, of knowledge that we've accumulated over the years. So uh, first, we want to talk about uh, three... Um, uh, resources that we kind of group into kind of a tools, models, frameworks bucket. Um, and these are different visuals and processes that can really help focus uh, your thinking and organize your thinking about what you're doing with your learning business. And so I think first and foremost is really one of our newest resources. It's the learning business maturity model. Yeah, and we've done a, a full episode on this, so you know we won't belabor it here. Um, but you know we do want to just highlight that it's it's a framework really for um, you know assessing the maturity of your learning and education business across five domains, and then determining you know where to focus your efforts going forward. And so those domains are leadership, strategy, capacity, portfolio, and marketing. Um, and we go into those in much more detail in, in the documentation that we provide around uh, the, the maturity model. But then, you know, those span uh, what we see as four stages of maturity. Right. And so the first stage is uh, what we describe as, as static. And so in that case, you know, you, you don't have 
um, usually very strong leadership. Um, you may not have a very clear strategy. Um, capacity may be um, hampered. Maybe you don't quite have all the, the resources that you need in terms of either staff or, or technology. Your portfolio might be um, uh, a little bit uh, weak, too, in terms of not well diversified and, and really not necessarily very thoughtful. Uh, and then, of course, the marketing can be lagging there, too. So at that beginning, stage one static, it really is kind of just a kind of doing things that you've always done before without a whole lot of uh, forethought into it. And then it proceeds from that stage one static into stage two reactive, where you get um, a little bit more active and thoughtful about how things are being handled. But again, it's still largely reactive as opposed to being proactive, which is what happens in stage three. So really beginning to sort of set a vision and a course for the learning business and, and pursuing that. And then stage four is what we characterize as, as innovative. And that really is then where you are hitting on all those cylinders in terms of those five domains of leadership, strategy, capacity, uh, portfolio, and marketing. And this is where you really are leading learning at that point. And so we do, all, we lay all of this out in, in a very nice visual, visual uh, if I can pronounce that right, a visual that uh, uh, is a great discussion piece to, you know, project up and, and talk through with your team. We provide explanation around these different stages and the different domains uh, that we talk about. And then we also provide an assessment uh, that, that you can take. So you can go through and find out you know, where you rate across those domains and, and how it places you across those stages. So learning maturity model, great place to, to start uh, at the beginning of the year to sit down and say, okay, let, let's assess ourselves with this because that's really going to give you some direction on where to go from there. So the second um, resource that we'll highlight in this kind of first bucket of, of models and, and frameworks and processes is the value ramp. And the value ramp is a, a tool that we've been using um, for a, a number of years at this point, and so it's older than the maturity model, it, but it's much simpler. Now, the fact that it's simpler than the maturity model doesn't mean that it's any less powerful. Yeah, it's an amazingly powerful tool. And, you know, I just referred to the maturity model as kind of a, a discussion document, something you can kind of put up there and, and uh, have some good uh, conversation around. The value ramp is just incredibly, well, valuable uh, for doing this. And the idea with the value ramp is that there is a, a correlation between um, price and value so that, you know, as you provide more value in your portfolio, you ought to be able to charge more. And of course, as you charge more, you ought to be providing more value. And it's really, it's a simple curve. Um, you know, you, you have two axes, one axis that represents price, one that represents value, and, and you draw a curve sloping from the bottom left up to the upper right. And you talk about, you know, where your products or potential products fall along that curve or ramp. You know, that's where, that's where we get the, uh, the ramp uh, uh, analogy from with, um, with the value ramp. And then the idea is, you know, at the, the lower left-hand side of that ramp, you know, you should be providing um, value, but, you know, the way the market works these days is you have to start providing value and demonstrating your value before you're ever charging anything. So you'll have sort of a flat line along the bottom left of uh, that, that value ramp, and then you start to arc up. You, you start to provide more value. You start to provide uh, uh uh, you start to charge more for that value that you're providing. And the idea is to, you know, to plot out 
your portfolio of products and maybe a, you know, a, a specific um, uh, focus area within your business. So, you know, the, the, the grouping of online products that you're providing, for example, and, and, and plot out how the, how the value changes. Or it may be that you, you know, plot out your entire learning business there. And at the bottom left, you may have things like, for example, your social media efforts, your, your blog posts and, and your articles that, that you're putting out there. Um, and then you move into some of your, you know, more introductory and, and basic uh, educational offerings. Um, and then perhaps into, you know, some of your higher value stuff like uh, your, your meetings and events. But, you know, thinking that, you know, ultimately you want to provide some very, very high value at the top end of that value ramp. Um, and this may be, you know, very customized, highly personalized type engagements with your audience. And, you know, what we often find in working with organizations is that uh, when you look at that value ramp and you plot out sort of where their learning and education products uh, fall on that ramp, they, they tend to have a lot in the middle, a sort of, you know, kind of medium price, medium value type products. They're not doing a lot in the lower left to provide, you know, low price or, or no price products to demonstrate value. And they often don't have anything at the, at the upper right um, for, you know, where they're really providing very, very high and, and unique value that can only be gotten from their organization and charging appropriately, appropriately for it. So, you know, and this is just, this is just you know, two axes and a, and a curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get this kind of discussion out of it and really flesh out your, your whole portfolio and your whole product strategy using something like the value ramp. Right. And I think one thing to emphasize with the value ramp too is this idea of building momentum. And you sort of talked about that, you know, kind of flat line uh, in the lower left as you're offering things for free, but they're still valuable. And I think what can happen in too many organizations is you sort of, you forget this idea of really what you're trying to do is kind of drive people along that curve. And if you go from um, you know, one price point to a much higher price point, it's going to be harder for people to sort of accept that. Whereas if you're kind of increasing value and increasing price, you know, uh, all along the way, it's going to be kind of an easier ride for for your member, for your learner to, to make that leap and to then get to that highest value that you offer that also probably comes with that highest price tag. So again, you know, this is another free tool. Um, we've got a couple of articles and some videos on this. We've also got a, a downloadable um, value ramp document that kind of maps it out for you. And, and again, you know, you can project this up on a screen or you don't even have to project it. All you need is a, a whiteboard or a flip chart and, you know, draw the thing up there and start talking about it and start filling it in. It can be a very interactive uh, type tool to use. So that's the second tool, the value ramp. The first one, again, was the uh, the learning business maturity model. And then the, the third tool we wanted to talk about is um, something we call the market insight matrix. And um, this is a great one to mention at the beginning of the year, too, because it's, it's really about a process for understanding and assessing your market for continuing education and professional development. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, you need to put into place and then engage with uh, over time. And the matrix uses kind of a, it has again, sort of two axes and it's the idea that there, there are three stages of market assessment and that there are then three types of market assessment activities. And so the, the three stages are idea generation, then idea verification, and then idea testing. So with idea generation, this is where you're coming up with what is it that's going to best um, suit your market and best serve your market. And at this point, you're going to be looking for diverse input to really come up with, okay, what are the new products for uh, the appropriate audiences that we serve? And then you're going to move into idea verification once you have some of those ideas. This is, you know, how do you actually um, determine whether the the ideas that you've generated in that uh, previous stage really do have value, do seem to be something that your learners and your members would respond to. And then 
idea testing. So once you've generated the idea, once you've gotten some verification and you've actually begun to develop some of that product, you know, how do you test it? So this is, you know, where you might be looking at something like um, a minimum viable product or putting together a pilot where you can really test it and get some direct feedback from the market on on a product that you're putting out there. And then, like you said, there there are three types of uh, activities that go on within each of these uh, stages of market assessment. Uh, You know, so you'll be tracking, which means, you know, you'll be looking at your kind of historical quantitative data, um, things like, you know, your your analytics, your web analytics, using something like Google Analytics, um, you know, things that have happened in uh, your e-commerce records or your learning management system records. So so tracking that and seeing what it tells you in each of these stages, you'll be uh, doing what we call listening, um, which is, you know, really, you know, observing what your members and customers are saying and doing. And, and there's so many ways to, to do that online now, you know, by, by paying attention to, to social media, um, by paying attention to recommendations and reviews that, that get submitted, um, by looking at discussion boards. I mean, just all sorts of things. So this whole concept of listening is just is really powerful now. And you can learn just so much just by kind of watching your market in action. Uh, and then finally, um, asking. Um, so you track, you listen, and then you uh, very strategically ask. You know, so you're going to go out and you know request input on specific questions. This is kind of you know traditional surveying and focus group type stuff, um, but it also includes things like pre-selling. You know, so you know actually getting on the phone or sitting in the office with somebody. You know, with that educational concept you have, and once you're in that testing stage, you know. Are you actually able to pre-sell it? Will they sign up and say, "Yeah, we want you know a hundred seats of that if you make it"? Um, so you know that's that's the asking component of this. So you've got your uh, idea generation, idea verification, idea testing, and then within each of those, tracking, listening, and asking, and ask, ask, asking, asking. And again, we lay this out in a nice document. It's a you know it's a sheet that you can kind of fill out and determine what your activities are going to be within the uh, the market insight matrix. And this becomes a tool for on. Ongoing discussion certainly a, a, can be a very you know thought-provoking initial discussion as you nail down the types of activities you're going to engage in um, in those different stages. But then that becomes something that as you meet on a monthly or quarterly basis, whatever the the regularity is, you can go back and say, okay, what what have we learned in, in each of these? parts of the the market insight matrix. And again, you'll be able to get the link to this easily by going to the show notes for the episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 64. And so I'll just add to that you mentioned, Jeff, that often when we look at what organizations do with the value ramp, when they sit there and lay it out and they sort of have, you know, a cluster kind of in the mid-range and that tends to be something we see. I think with the market inside matrix, uh, one of the things that this format can really get organizations to do is to really make sure that they're not just relying on asking or not just relying on the listening or not just relying on the tracking. I think too often organizations can kind of come to rely on, okay, we're going to be, you know, analytics focus. We're going to really look at the data that we have and, and mine that, and they forget to kind of go out and uh, do some some listening to the, the market in terms of like what people are saying on, uh, you know, on social media or in other places that might give them valuable insight into key issues. So, um, and you mentioned too, Jeff, that the market inside matrix is something that you can revisit. All three of these tools that we've talked about so far all really well lend themselves to that 
initial use, yes, but then, of course, revisiting periodically. Yeah, I mean, they're a great way to organize your thoughts in the first place and then to stay organized and to stay focused as you go on. So, you know, again, very, very powerful things to be engaging with at the beginning of a year when often so many things are starting up. And as we know, oftentimes we have, you know, the best intentions and the best plans at the beginning of a year. Um, These will help you to carry those plans through. So the second um, area or kind of bucket of, of resources that we wanted to talk about is our reports. And so we have three major reports that we would like to, to highlight. These are all um, based on surveys of associations. So we um, go out and uh, do a web-based survey behind it. And then we um, delve into the data and look at what it has to say. And then we also usually often end up talking to organizations or professionals in in learning businesses to find out, um, you know, to add a little color to the data to find out what they're up to. And usually that also makes its way into these reports. So um, the first one is the Association Learning Plus Technology Report. And it really is just kind of a comprehensive um, look at the use of technology to enhance and enable um, education and learning uh, among associations um, or, you know, in terms of their learning business and what they're doing. And so it's a very helpful resource for for leaders who want to be really fully informed about kind of what others are doing and what's happening in the market and as they're thinking about launching or, or growing new education initiatives. And if I remember correctly, I think this is the kind of oldest of our, uh, at least our survey-based reports. I mean, we've been doing this for many years and um, we used to call it, uh, was it, the, did we call it the Association E-Learning Report? Uh, originally or something along those lines uh, we did yes <laughs> yeah but uh, but a few years ago you know we we felt that learning plus technology was much more appropriate because you know it's people have a very I think uh, restrictive view of e-learning and um, technology interfaces with learning in, in so many different and, and very rich ways and we try to capture that uh, with this report it's not just about you know the sort of self-paced on-demand online courses. It's about all of the ways that, uh, that technology and, and learning can intersect. And uh, um, like all of our you know, major reports, this is survey-based. And the, the, the most recent round of this, we had 174 qualifying responses. Um, and we found out that you know, uh, 87.4% uh, of the respondents indicated that they're um, currently offering technology-enabled or technology-enhanced learning, and then an additional 8.6% of respondents indicated that they plan to start using technology to enable or enhance learning in the coming 12 months. So, I mean, we're at a point now where you know technology is just ubiquitous uh, across the, the learning business. It's something that most organizations are doing, large or small. It's something that learners expect at this point. So, we delve into you know not just the levels of uses, but then you know specific ways in which it's being used. And, um, and in the last uh, couple of reports, um, we've started, you know, asking about emerging types of learning. Um, so things like, you know, massive open online courses, MOOCs, um, flipped learning, uh, gamified learning, micro-credentials, um, and, uh, and, you know, those, those sorts of trends that are emerging now and getting a sense of how organizations are using those, if they are using those. Uh, with those with those five ones, we, we found that uh, probably not as much as they could or should be um, at this point. Um, but nonetheless, those are starting to get some traction. So the second report, and we just recently released a new version of this, is the uh, social learning trends in the association space. And so this is a, a look at how associations are using social technologies as part of their learning initiatives. So um, 
you know, social learning is a very old concept uh, and been around a long time, but, you know, we've seen social media come along and social technologies that have really sort of given um, a second wind to social learning and kind of a new flavor of, of social learning here. And so we went out again and and, and surveyed um professionals working at associations about their use of social technologies specifically for learning. And, um, and really only about a third um, are not using social technologies for learning. Um, so I think that's pretty interesting, you know. And so then of the ones who are using social technologies, it's a mix. Many are using it informally, um, but there are, is a seems to be a growing number of organizations using it really as part, a formal part of a learning product or a learning service. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's really what we wanted to try to dig into in this survey. We wanted kind of the, the broad uh, feel for informal um, usage, but then that more formal, more structured usage, how much is that catching on? How much are, you know, the, the, the learning businesses within organizations saying, yes, we are going to consciously incorporate this into our formal learning experiences. And, uh, you know, we ask about uh, how's it being tracked? How are you doing it? Um, you know, the, the types of questions that you need to be asking if you are going to bring social learning into the uh, the learning experiences you're offering. And we provide some, some brief case studies uh, with this one too. We try to do that uh, with reports um, whenever we can. So we have a, a number of case studies about how social learning is being used in the association space. And uh, this is an issue that uh, really every organization should be thinking about and, and determining what they're going to do to support both informally and formally going forward. So this is a great report to you know give you an idea of what's happening and what the possibilities might be out there. And so then the third report that we want to highlight is Association Virtual Events. And this is, again, a report that we've conducted uh, over a, a number of years. It's one we return to periodically. We resurvey, we you know think about what new questions should be added, and then we, again, as always, then delve into that data, um, talk with folks, and uh, really think about how it is that associations are making use of virtual events. So, you know, by that we don't mean just kind of the the single one-off webinar or even webcast. You know, we're really thinking about things where people are being very um, thoughtful about putting together um, a, a virtual event that really in many ways tries to replicate what might happen at a place-based uh, conference or, or event. And in some cases, this might, this might be an, an extension uh, or an accompaniment, accompaniment to the place-based uh, conference, or it may be a complete standalone event. We, we ask about uh, both of those. And I'd say, you know, we, we said earlier that uh, well north of 90% of associations are using technology in their learning initiatives at this point. We've seen the overall growth uh, of virtual events, though, to be, you know, kind of incremental over the years. It was somewhere around the 30% range when we started uh, assessing it a, a while back, and it, it hasn't grown tremendously from, from there. It's, you know, kind of just slowly ratcheting up over time. But I feel like we are hearing a lot more buzz about it lately. We've had a lot more organizations who have tried it out, who have a track record. We do have some case studies in, in, in this report um, as well. And if it is something you're thinking about uh, doing, you know, this report is going to help you think about things like, you know, the timing and the pricing for your virtual events, um, you know, understanding the, the level of registration and attendance to expect you know, versus, for example, your, your place-based events. Talks about the common tools that are used for delivering and supporting virtual events. 
difference. And it talks about, you know, the b- mistakes and the, and the benefit uh, that, uh, you know, other organizations have gotten. So you're able to learn from what other organizations uh, have done with their virtual events. And uh, probably a good time to mention as an aside, too, that, you know, we're going to start walking the walk here and we're going to be doing our own learning technology design event, which we did as a face-to-face event uh, last spring. We're going to be doing that as a virtual event uh, this spring. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we move into uh, some of our other resources. But uh, the virtual events report is the the third of the major reports that we have right now. Again, association learning plus technology, um, the social learning in the association space report, and then association virtual events. So the last bucket, the well, actually, I should say it's the the penultimate bucket. The next to last bucket there. Such a great word, penultimate, penultimate. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> is a technology selection, um, and you know, obviously, these reports that we've just been talking about, a lot of them um, get at the use of technology for learning, and um, we have a variety of resources that even more directly get at the use of technology for learning. That really aim to help organizations as they're trying to identify the right platform, the right technology partner to work with them in terms of what they want to achieve with their education business. That's right. I mean, when we came into, um, the, you know, the business that we have now, Tagoras, the, uh, the the company that we have, um, you know, the, the path into doing what we're doing right now was uh, helping organizations select uh, learning management systems primarily because, you know, we ourselves, not everybody knows this, but uh, we started and grew a, an online learning company fo- focused on associations, uh, a learning management system was one of our core products that we have designed and built and deployed uh, learning management systems and uh, coming into uh, working with uh, trade professional associations we already had a huge amount of experience in um, implementing uh, our solution at trade and professional associations and so over the years you know we've tracked uh, what vendors are out there in the market um, and come up with a, a wide range of resources for organizations to use as they bite off the challenge of either you know choosing their first major learning platform, major learning technology, or replacing technologies that they already have in place. So, you know, among other things, we maintain a, a list of vendors who we feel have a good track record and a good focus on working with trade and professional associations. That's not going to be every learning platform out there. I mean, there are north of, I think, 600 learning management systems out there at this point. A small fraction of those are actually appropriate for trade and professional associations, though we have seen that number grow uh, in recent years. But we list those out, the ones that we're tracking. We have interviews with vendors. We're building up more and more interviews. Um, we've got a you know discussion guide as you're uh, thinking about um, going out and selecting learning technologies. What should you be asking? What should you be talking about internally? Um, we've got a range of articles on the issues that uh, you know organizations need to keep in mind um, when they're selecting platforms. So you know all of this pulled together is, is a nice group of uh, you know learning platform selection resources basically. And again, we'll link you to this in, in the show notes. Um, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 64. And so then now we get to the ultimate bucket, the, the final bucket we're, we're of, there. We're of, there. of resources. And really these are just a range of kind of um, ongoing resources right, right. that we have. Um, and so first we have the leading learning newsletter. It's an e-newsletter. That's right. And, um, you know, I think every company has a newsletter they put out, I guess, and uh, they vary widely in, in how useful they actually are. Uh, you know, you'll have to be the judge, of course, but we, we put a lot of thought into trying to make this as useful as possible on a monthly basis. And what we do is we go and we curate um, resources across the major um, 
areas with which, with which we engage uh, organizations. So uh, leadership, strategy, learning, technology, marketing, and every issue you get is going to have a link in each of those areas uh, to a resource that's, you know, truly useful, truly insightful, or both. And sometimes that's a resource that we've, you know, come up with for you. Um, more often than not, though, we're going to, we're out there just surveying, um, reading voraciously and, and, and coming up with, uh, you know, those curated links that we think it's really going to be worth your while to, you know, open up the newsletter and, you know, and, and file it away so you can go back and, and reference it later. I mean, this is, this is truly an ongoing resource. It's not just, you know, this showed up in my, in my inbox today. I'll glance over it and delete it. No, don't do that. Put it into a folder. <laughs> go back to it uh, over time. You, you will, you will uh, get uh, ongoing value from it. And we definitely focus on quality over quantity right. with the newsletter. We really do try to keep it focused and brief. So yeah, each edition really tries to have one um, resource on, you know, one of those major topics, like you were saying around leadership or strategy, right. you know, we're not trying to overwhelm. We're really trying to point you to things that we, as you've said, Jeff, find insightful and helpful. Exactly. And then the next um, one, in addition to the, the, you know, the newsletter comes out monthly with periodic updates in between if they're, you know, if we want you to know about something else that's going on. One of the things we might update you about is if we have a webinar coming, because our, our leading learning webinar series is something that we offer uh, throughout the year. And again, we put a lot of effort into determining topics that uh, we know are uh, important to the organizations that, that we've been working with over the years that we know are important within the, you know, the business of lifelong learning. So we've had, you know, webinars that have focused on pricing. We've had webinars that have focused on we social learning. You know, we mentioned earlier, we've done uh, a webinar on that in the past. Um, we do an annual trends webinar. We just did that, you know, at the end of this year. Um, so, you know, we're always trying to, to focus that webinar content, again, to be as, as relevant as, as, as possible. And these are free. The newsletter is free. Is free. Um, and, uh, you know, throughout the year, uh, we're going to provide those for, for you to participate in. And if you register for them, you get the recording for it. If you come to the live webinar session uh, and you need CAE credit for the ASAE credential, you can get that. And so then uh, we also want to make sure to mention that we have some leading learning events. So both the, the newsletter is online or, uh, you know, comes to your email inbox and the webinars are online, but we also have been doing some place-based events and uh, virtual events. As you just mentioned, Jeff, we've going to be holding learning technology design uh, March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. 2017, and that's going to be a virtual event. We'll dedicate two days, the first two days, March 1st and 2nd, to education and really focusing. Or again, you know, our, our mantra is around trying to be as practical and helpful as possible. So really trying to focus um, sessions on things like um, copywriting, mm -hmm. focusing things uh, on things like pricing. Right. Yeah. We're going to have a very, very uh practical um, guide to, um, uh, to, to pricing and using a specific pricing tool in, in this uh, round of it. We're going to have uh, Carl Kopp talking about uh, gamification. I mean, Carl pretty much is the leading voice when it comes to gamification and learning. We're going to have Will Tallheimer uh, talking about, you know, better evaluations. Uh, I mean, we really just got, it, it's an incredible lineup that we've got for this particular event. And you can actually, by the, by the time this podcast episode comes out, if it's not up already, it will be very shortly afterwards, the, the, the website for the event, uh, 
ltd.leadinglearning.com, uh, and you'll be able to go there and get all of the information. Um, we'll mention also the last two years we have run our Leading Learning Symposium in the fall. We had an, a great symposium again this past fall in, in Baltimore. Um, this is where we really bring together you know, the high-level leaders in uh, the, the business of lifelong learning and um, you know, really intensive um, peer interaction and discussion along with some you know, expert uh, uh, thought leaders providing their input as well. Um, we plan to continue that event. We're going to you know, step back having done it for two years and maybe you know, think a little bit about uh, how we approach it uh, differently going forward, but stay tuned for news about the um, symposium. And you can find out about uh, the past symposia at symposium.leadinglearning.com to get a feeling for what that event is like. And then the last ongoing resource that we want to highlight is this, the Leading Learning Podcast. What a wonderful thing it is, the, the, the Leading Learning Podcast. And we're, we're now on episode 64. So, you know, week after week for the past couple of years now, um, we've been uh, cranking out uh, this podcast. And, you know, we've been alternating between you and I having this kind of conversation like we're, we are in this episode, um, trying to highlight tools and resources, ideas, concepts that, again, we know are going to be valuable to the, the audience. It's listening, but then also interviewing um, people who are doing interesting things or have, you know, interesting insights uh, uh, or or tips and and, uh, advice to to offer um, to the audience. And we've had some fantastic people uh, on the show. you know, for example, uh, Peter Brown, uh, one of the co-authors of Make It Stick, which is, you know, one of our um, favorite, uh, well, we call it an emphatically recommended um, reading. Um, so, you know, one of the best books uh, about uh, learning that's out there right now. We had him on the podcast. Um, we had Kelly Palmer, who's the CE, uh, CLO of uh, Degreed. Dot com, which is you know really one of the more interesting um, learning technology companies uh, that's come along um, recently, um, and then we had uh, Marla Weston recently, the uh, CEO of the American Nurses Association, um, talking about the, the, uh, how they're pursuing a grand challenge. You had a great uh, uh, interview with uh, Marla about that. So, you know, we try to, to really mix it up and, and find um, exciting issues, but then also very practically uh, oriented um, advice and, and guidance for listeners. And so with that, uh, as we're exiting, we want to say thanks to your membership for being the sponsor of this episode of the podcast. You can find out more about your membership at yourmembership.com. To get show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 64. Again, the nature of this episode is such that you're definitely going to want to go visit those show notes because you're going to be able to download the document that we've put together with all the resources we've mentioned here, links to all of those resources, um, but also many others. Um, So it's going to be a a very rich set of show notes that goes with uh, this episode. And definitely be sure to go check that out, leadinglearning.com slash episode 64. While you're there, you will also see that there are various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of the podcast and you're not subscribed yet, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. That sends us a signal that we are, in fact, doing something useful for you in your day-to-day life. We would also be grateful if you would take a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. And you can do that by going to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We Truly appreciate it. Jeff and I do. And it also makes it much easier for others to find this podcast. And finally, consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet really easily just by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. Um, Or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can pick another social network of your preference and, uh, you know, take the language that uh, 
appears in that tweet uh, that we make so easy for you or your own language and send it out to your social networks and tell them to go visit the Leading Learning Podcast at leadinglearning.com. Thanks again and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.